This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. And welcome, everybody, to a special edition of the Mike Missanelli Podcast. We're doing this podcast on a Friday, October 21st. This is podcast episode number 13. Tonight, the Phillies play host to the San Diego Padres, which should be a crazy Citizens Bank Park as the teams come back from the West Coast to the East. And today, we are privileged to be speaking right now to a Phillies playoff hero of recent vintage. And, of course, his name has been brought up uh, after what uh, transpired in game one of this series. He, of course, is the great Matt Stairs. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, my, my pleasure. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, the, the circumstance and that Schwarber hits the home run and everybody in Philadelphia, I'm looking at social media and everybody is dropping your name uh, with, uh, you know, the, rem- uh, the remembrance of, of, of the, the drama of, of those home runs, the one that Schwarber hit 488 feet. And, of course, the one you hit in the uh, playoff series against the Dodgers in 2008. Uh, I, I, I wonder if it gets old you talking about that. But first of all, with the Schwarber home run, what did you think? The same reactions everyone had. Like, holy God, how far did that ball go? To see a ball go second deck is – I've never seen – I've never seen a ball come even close going second deck. And, um, you know, the exit velocity, the launch angle, all that fun stat cast stuff that everyone talks about, uh, that ball was absolutely crushed. And I just I, – I was, I was in shock. Just like Bryce Harper's reactions, how far that ball went, that's how I think a lot of people are as well. Yeah, uh, and of course, I mean, did you think that people were going to relive you uh, after you hit that home run? Did that <laughs> thought cross your mind? No, I mean, I, look, I, I coach hockey now, so I kind of pop in and out and watch the games and stuff. And, you know, I've had a lot of people call and, and comment about or text me saying about, you know, the way Swarber sets up, where his hands are, you know, that uh, that relaxed uh, batting stance. And then, you know, think about using your hands to hit. Uh, and then all of a sudden, of course, we hit the home run. My my phone blew up with, you know, the side by side Twitter stuff, and um, I don't even have Twitter, so it was kind of neat to watch all that stuff. But you know, it was just uh, it, the ball that came off his bat, and and 
you know, hats off to him. He didn't run around rocking the baby, rocking the cradle. He he hit the home run. And he jogged around the bases like a professional, and, and uh, it was a big home run for them. Yeah, now to, to hit a home run uh, that far, you, you really had to be keyed in on that particular pitch. You kind of have to be expecting uh, that kind of a pitch in that situation. And so, so let me let me take you back to your home run. Uh, and now you you mashed fastball, so nobody could really get a fastball by yeah. you. But uh, no. y- your mindset, uh, of course, let's set the scene because uh, Victorino had tied the game. It's game four. It's the eighth yep. inning. Victorino ties the game at two run home off of uh, a Cor- uh, Corey Wade, I believe, and, yep. and then shoots single. So now they they bring in Broxton for, uh, and he's got to get a few more outs than he's used to. First of all, when he comes in the game, what's your mindset? Because you're the next hitter. Well, I think, you know, and I've told the story, I don't know, probably a couple of thousand times. My mindset was simple. It was just a matter of staying with my game plan of being a pinch hitter. That's what I, I had great success pinch hitting for power wise is because, um, you know, I just kind of a, became a stubborn hitter and I sat in my area and hope he made a mistake. And if he didn't, you know, you were going to be in for a battle. So it was you know, I don't think I even took a practice swing. I was on deck, and he he came in. The music was playing. Apparently, I never heard it, and everything kind of was just in slow motion, which is a which is a great feeling for a hitter. And you know, next thing I know, he he throws the first pitch, and I thought it was you know you know I thought it was all right. It was like eighty nine, ninety, and I looked up and it was ninety five or whatever it was. But everything was just in slow motion, and. You know, he, he ended up making a mistake. He got the 3-1, and he tried to throw a fastball away. He kind of pulled a little bit inside, and, you know, I called it the oh-no zone to the left-handers, and he threw it in the oh-no zone, and it, you know, it went into orbit. So it was, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I, I think a lot of baseballs, and if you have, you know, Swarbs, he, he reacted to a fastball inside, and uh, that's probably the reason why it went as far as it did because he took his whole body out of the swing and he used those quick hands and his forearms and he just absolutely drove it. So, you know, that's just how it is. You get your pitch and you don't try to do too much with it and stay within yourself and a lot of good things happen. So at 3-1, you you almost know he's got to throw a fastball? Is, is that what you're thinking or are you just trying to just trying to blank out and not overthink? No, I mean, as a pinch hitter, you always sit on your strength, right? So I'm a, I'm a, I was a very good fastball hitter. Um, you know, you might get one by me, two, pretty good chance you're not, three, there's no chance. Um, you know, so it was just a matter of, of uh, staying on my game plan, right? And, you know, closers don't want to get beat by their secondary pitch. His secondary pitch was a slider. Uh, and I knew he wouldn't throw a 3-1 slider because he didn't want to get beat by a secondary. He had confidence in his fastball. Look, if he probably if he would have thrown it where he wanted to, it might have been a different result. Um, the problem is he kind of yanked it and pulled it inside, and he threw it in the oh no zone. So it was just a it was a good time for him to miss. But you know, I think that's what you do is guys that have power is that you you stay with you know what you, you do so well and what pitches you do so well off of. So you know that's uh, that's how it was three one. I wasn't sitting slider. I was sitting fastball location, and and I got it. You you uh you sent him into a spiral. Do you feel bad about that? I mean, he got, he really kind of lost his way after that. No, I don't feel bad for any pitchers. Uh, I really <laughs> don't. Um, and I don't. I'm, I'm not a mean person. I'm Canadian, so I like everybody. I just I don't care for pitchers. They they they, they always were trying to get you out and trying to take the the food off your table and off your plate for your kids. So I figured that was it's payback. You try to do the same thing for them. So. 
Um, you know, I, I expect pitchers, but I, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't care if I set them in a spiral or, or, or what happened. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. It's funny because hitters in their own clubhouse don't like their own pitchers. I, I mean, I've, I've seen that in the clubhouse. So, so I get that. Uh, relive that team. You get to the team late that year. And uh, so, and it was just golden the way, the way it, it, it finished in the, 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 the Tampa Ray series, the whole, the whole bit was just crazy. Um, yeah. And uh, so, like, relive your part on that team. What was that like to be with that team? Well, I mean, it was it was awesome. I remember going through the the trade deadline. I was with the Blue Jays, and and we were in actually in Tampa Bay, and I was called in the office and told I was traded. And I said, okay, well, where am I going? Uh, they wouldn't tell me because there was a, a roster move, and I think. The team I was going to played a light night. There were a lot of uh, a lot of innings the night before. The next day was a day game, so they had to make some roster moves before it happened. And um, you know, I sat there and I asked them. I said, "Listen, I've been in the league for you know 15, 16 years, and my family's in New York waiting for us. Like, where am I going?" They said, "We can't tell you. I just we can't. We're not allowed." I said, "Well, if I guess, will you tell me?" And I said, "Yes." I said, uh, "Philadelphia." And they're like, "How the hell did you know that?" And I said, "Well, Pat Gillick's been after me for years." You know, Pat and I have been, you know, I've known Pat for many years. So uh, I, I was ready to get there. I was ready to play. I was ready to do whatever they wanted me to do. And it's funny because when I got there, they asked me to play right field the next day against the Cubs. And I said, no. I said, I haven't played the outfield all year. I DH'd. And uh, I think Jason was worth, he was struggling at the time. Uh, so we ended up changing his batting stance. Milt Thompson and I, and the rest was history with, the rest was history with him, but um, you know, look, I, I've accepted my role for many years of being a, a, a platoon player and a bench, a, a bench guy and a pinch hitter. So I knew my, my, uh, my role with that team, because there's no way I was cracking that lineup because they were awful good players. So I was called upon to be a pinch hitter and that's what I wanted to do. And, and I accepted it. Uh, tell me about that Jason Worth thing. Cause this is probably an under, under, underplayed thing. What, what did you and Milt do with uh, Jason Worth? Well, we kind of lowered his hands a little bit get him into an area where he was just more consistent of getting to the, through the strike zone. He had, you know, all the, the, the potential in the world and he had his hands really, really high and the wide stance and he was just losing leverage for a guy that's, you know, six, three plus. So we just kind of lowered his hands and quiet him down a little bit and shortened his stride and allowed him to use his whole, his swing path to use the ball to left field, center field and right field. And, uh, he, he, he enjoyed it. He jumped off right away with it and, and he ran with it for many years and many million millions. So it was, uh, you know, I think it was, it was one of those things that we, we enjoyed doing with him. And, you know, cause I was a player for what parts of 19 years, but I probably was a hitting coach for parts of 14 years. You know what I mean? I studied a lot of guys swings and stuff. So it was, it was, uh, it was something that we suggested and it worked out well for him. It worked out well now, for let's the talk Philadelphia about that Phillies. Your, your, uh, your hitting coach experience, but first of all, uh, you, you leave the Phillies after 2009, so you you're part of two World Series teams, um, and then you, you had a couple of years. How did you finally know it was time to walk? Uh, playing wise, yes. When I de- when I despised going to the ballpark, like I was the type of guy that when I got to the ballpark, I went at 12 o'clock, you know, 12:30 to do my work, and and I found. Um, after San Diego, um, I probably should have retired then. But I had an opportunity to go with the Washington Nationals. I had a good spring training. I think I hit like four or five pinch at home runs. 
uh, in spring training. So I, I still knew I had the ability to do it. I just I wasn't sure when I was going to get an opportunity. And uh, when I like when I got let go from the Washington Nationals, I actually had about three or four teams reach out, and I said, no, it's it's time to walk away. And uh, my daughters weren't very happy with it, I don't think, because they kind of enjoyed the 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 traveling around and seeing the baseball games and all that stuff. But um, you know, I, I knew it was time. Why, why did you hate coming away. to the Why did you hate coming to the ballpark? Well, I, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say I hated. I, I it just was it wasn't the point where it was it wasn't a lot of fun anymore. Um, I don't know. There's just something as a, as a professional athlete that when you get to that ballpark and you walk in, you get that, you know, the goosebumps and you're back in the locker room and you can't wait to get going. And I was just more of, God, I wish it would rain tonight. <laughs> that type of attitude. And, that, and, and unfortunately that's, that, that's fine. Cause that, that's, I knew it was time for me to, to retire. And, uh, I mean, hell it was, you know, parts of 19 years and those 19 years more than I expected to get from the first get go. So, uh, I was I was ready for it, and and I wanted to get back into doing something different with broadcasting, which I did. Started with uh, the Red Sox and the Phillies, of course, and I wanted to try to do the hitting coach. I did that for two years, and then I hit it all. The only thing I haven't done is become an umpire yet. <laughs> uh, we were talking Matt Stairs, of course, one of the the great uh, names and heroes of. Uh, of the Philly success story in that, in that one golden era. Uh, I don't think anybody really uh, expected this thing to happen. So when, when you're looking at the Phillies from, from afar, uh, are you, are you surprised that this is happening right here? You mean with this year? Yes. Um, yes. Look, look, I think, I think if you ask any Phillies player or front office or coaching staff, I think the biggest is they've been inconsistent the whole year. And, and But the thing is, when, when Philly got hot, when they get hot as a team, they're hotter than anyone can be. I mean, they're one through nine. They're getting the strong pitch and the, the solid defense. Uh, am I surprised what they're doing? No. I really, I'm not because they, because they have such good leaders and they play as a group, which how when we won the World Series, we had a lot of superstars but we didn't have one guy that wanted to carry, you know, that um, that flag or the, the torch every night. It was passed along to a, a different player. And I think that's what you see with the Phillies. I mean, if it's, you know, it doesn't one through nine, they're, they're doing well, which is which is outstanding. And the energy they have is, is tremendous. So, look, when they struggle, they struggle like any other major league team. But when they get hot, I think it, I think it's safe to say that they can they can get on a run of, of many, many games and, and kick the, the crap out of a lot of teams. Uh, let's, let's just go back to, to quickly your, uh, uh, your tenure as, as a hitting coach. Uh, because you had, you had a very simplistic uh, approach, at least you told people. You, you tried to hit the ball uh, as far as you could every time you, you were up there. <laughs> uh, but I know it was more technical uh, than yes. that. So how did you um, uh, kind of like blend your philosophies of hitting with uh, – the modern day guy, because everybody's so technical. Hitting coaches are so technical anymore. What, what was your MO as a hitting coach to make it simple that guys could understand and believe in themselves as a hitter? Yeah, well, I think the biggest and the first thing that part of that question is, is that when I told people I tried to hit the ball as far as I could, I had a game plan behind it. I just didn't want to talk about it. I figured that was the easiest thing for me to say is I wanted to hit a ball a home run every single time and people giggled and laughed about it and it was over with. Uh, for me, I think the biggest thing was I wanted to teach guys, you know, basically how to use their lower half to hit. And not, instead of trying to lift the ball every single time and getting the ball in the air properly, you know, trying by lifting is that I think about trying to drive a, a line drive through a shortstop or second baseman. 
and try to destroy those guys with the, with the line drive. And that creates a backspin, which creates a ball driven in the gaps. There's your exit velocity and there's your launch angle. Hmm. It's been around a hundred years. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just made up different for people to talk about it. And, and my, you know, I had a good philosophy of, 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 of teaching hitting and, and teaching myself and, and doing what I wanted to do when it came to hitting. I just, that's how I did it. And I thought the year I was hitting coach with the Phillies, I thought things went very well. You know, it didn't hurt when Hoskins came up and he got really hot and, and we got Altera working very well, getting the ball in the air. Uh, we had a pretty good year off offensively. And unfortunately after that, you know, with, with the, uh, you know, Pete being let go and all the other coaches being let go, uh, San Diego came after me, and there you go. I was in San Diego for supposed to be two years. I was only there for a year. A hitting coach is a tough uh, It's a tough deal. You get blamed a lot, uh, and it's also a lot of work. In a lot of ways, it's a, it's a thankless task. Um, are you glad you're out of it, or do you wish you were still involved in, in teaching hitting to major leaguers? Oh, I, I still wish I was, I was involved. I think uh, – yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is that um, it, what's hard about hit, being a hitting coach is that one, it's it, it's hard to deal with because you have so many different guys and so many guys have their own hitting coaches in the off season. That's what sucks. You know, you you have a philosophy of how you want to teach guys, or you might see something different of what's going on and. Next thing you know, you're, you're throwing batting practice, and they want you to film them, and you start filming them and saying, oh, who are you sending that to? They go, well, my hitting guy in the offseason. Like, it's a, it's a no-win situation. because, And I'm not saying with every team, but with a lot of teams, they have their hit guru in the offseason, and that's who they work with, and that's who they pay, and that's who they trust. That's the hardest thing to me was just was, was battling other, other hitting coaches from a long distance away or from far. I enjoy coaching. Uh, I enjoy being in the big leagues. I enjoy helping people out with hitting. I think I, I can teach a lot of hitting, but it's just uh, it's a situation where it's <laughs> I don't know, I wouldn't say there's a win-win situation. I think it's a, just a you know twelve or thirteen different hitting styles and attitudes and and uh, people you got to work with, and then you got to work with a hitting guru. So it's uh, it, it can be tough. Talking to Matt Stairs, and uh, of course, Matt ha- has returned to his base. I think this is really interesting. Yeah, back in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and people that don't know where that is, it's, it's a Canadian province. It's northeast border of Maine, and you're kind of between uh, uh, Prince uh, Edward Island, Maine, and, and Nova Scotia to, to the east. Yep. I, I think it's really interesting that you kept that Canadian base. All the places you've ever lived in the States, you've been around the whole, the whole yep. country, and a lot of guys settle in an area where they played, what was the appeal going back home for you? Hockey. <laughs> Honestly, going home and coaching coaching hockey, it was, uh, you know, my daughter wanted to go back to where I graduated from high school, um, from Maine. We, just, we, we moved back. Um, had an opportunity to take over the hockey program that I, that I grew up and played with and watched, you know, my whole life in high school for the Fredericton Black Cats. You know, which is which is the old hockey program in Canada. So it was, you know, to be part of that. And I'm going into my 20th year coaching high school hockey, and I enjoy it. And I think the biggest thing is that you know your friends and family, and uh, it's just it's home, right? It's, it's hard to leave home. You know, you, people don't understand that Atlantic Canada is the. I don't know. It's it's. Um, 
probably one of the nicest places in the world to come visit because everyone's so nice there and it's just a it's a happy-go-lucky you know four provinces that's connected and and uh we have a lot of fun uh I, I read somewhere where when the playing days were over and I, I guess when you stopped to be associated with the major leagues, you were, you were playing slow pit softball. Now I, I I'm <laughs> well, well aware of these travel teams cause I played on a lot of them. Uh, so you played on a slow pitch travel team was based in Maine. Yep. And, and, and you said, tell, tell me about that. It's softball experience. Oh, it was a blast. I was actually still playing major league baseball when I was on the team. Oh, you were. Okay. I was, I was still playing. I was still playing softball. Towards the end of the season, once the season was over, and I was also playing uh, in a hockey league, uh, twenty-one and over. At the time, I was you know upper forty, so it was. I stayed active. I, we traveled around. We went down into New Jersey and played uh, Jenny Finchfield, uh, huge tournament down there. Um, going down there and just hitting bombs and softballs. Uh, I actually traveled to Kelowna, BC, this off this summer. Uh, to attend a, a home run contest out in Kelowna, BC, and played three games for for a charity for um, mental health. So it was, I enjoy it. Um, I'm not very good at it anymore, which kind of sucked. It, it, I couldn't hit a softball to save my life right now. But um, but it was, uh, but I, I enjoyed. It. I, I we traveled around everywhere, down through Florida and New Jersey, and. You know, you're hitting bombs. That's back in the day. It was a good time. <laughs> well, well, there's also these age group baseball leagues, and uh, I, I guess you would be uh, like an over 50 age group. Did you ever have the desire to just go into like anonymously go into these leagues? Nobody knows who you are, and just start crushing 65 mile an hour fastballs like 500 feet? No, because it's 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 such an advantage for softball hitters to be right-handed. Because they're top end dominant when they hit a softball, and for left-handers, we kind of drag a little bit. Anyway, that's getting technical, but uh, no, because they take it way too way too serious. Like you honest the to God, you're like, about? oh my God, it's unbelievable. Like you could be playing in the co-ed, and all of a sudden you accidentally shoot the middle on somebody, a uh, pitcher by mistake, and you hit up the middle. He wants to kill you. Well, it's like <laughs> don't throw the ball there. You know, and it's it's. I just found that it got it. it softball was such a serious competitive sport which is outstanding but it, for me it wasn't i wanted to go out and at the time when i was drinking beer and having fun and and uh, hanging out with people and telling yeah. stories and having a good time but um yeah, i'm talking about actual hardball leagues oh, hardball leagues. leagues yeah uh, well i went back and played senior baseball yeah that's I what i'm talking about yeah. senior baseball leagues which which i've played in in, in various age groups and tournaments in florida and arizona right. and, and stuff like that you, you know did that appeal to you no no no, well, if I had a pin, if I had a pinch runner out of the batter's box, it might appeal to me. Um, I've I've been asked to go to Nova Scotia and play in the league over there. Uh, no, I have no interest in doing it. I have no interest in um, trying to hit a home run again. I have no interest in playing defense. The only interest I have right now is is helping our minor league baseball in Fredericton, where I'm the technical director. And I look after 645 kids and help them out with their with their swing, and they can do all the hitting and running. That's fantastic. Um, just the last question. Um, this I, I know you, you've been asked about it a million times, and, and I know it probably gets old. But uh, to be known for something like that is is that uh, does that feel good? Does it feel like a badge, or, or is it just you know uh, you know I've I've heard enough of it. It's not the- it's not bad being known for a moment. I'll tell you that. But for the home run in L.A., yes. you mean? Yes. Um, 
Uh, look, people who uh, that know me very well, I'm I'm a very quiet person. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, I mean, it, it comes up, you know, every anniversary when I hit it, it happens. Or if someone hits a bomb, they hit it. Um, you know, I, I just feel bad because, I mean, Victorino's home run was just as, was huge as well, right? It tied the game off that curveball off Wade. And, um, yeah, I think it was because who I hit it off of the situation, being a pinch hitter, uh, hitting it off Broxton. Uh, does it get old now? But I don't, I don't watch it as much as I used to, if any. Uh, I'll watch it if someone sends it me through a text. But I have it all right here, and I can remember perfectly what was going on in my brain and, and every pitch. And um, But I do know probably about forty or 50,000 people what they were doing at that moment when I hit it because they've, they've told me about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no question. Listen, man, it's been uh, really a blast spending some time with you. We really appreciate it. We'll see how the Phils do tonight. Uh, are you feeling that this is a, a, a win this series? Or uh, because they lost that game uh, two, now the pitching's kind of like screwed up and you may have to come back with Wheeler on short rest. How do you see the rest of this series? Well, I think that the biggest thing is is, is the defense. Who, whoever plays the best defense in timely hitting, right, that wins the ball games. And I, I think it's going to be a great series. Um, you know, there's, there's two very good teams. You know, two teams that are playing with a lot of confidence right now. Uh, no one expected, you know, really Philly to get past the Atlanta Braves, and no one expected the, the Padres to get past the, the big bad Dodgers. So uh, they're both playing with a lot of energy. For me to say who's going to win, I, I'm not going to go out there and say it. I just think it's going to be a great series, but it's going to come down to some time hitting. And I think it's going to come down to some small ball, what's going to win the game and win the series. Matt? Listen, we appreciate it. Good luck with the hockey up there. Good luck with the baseball team. Uh, stay active with the daughters and everything. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it, man. Oh, my pleasure. Thing. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissonelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.